Kevin. Hey, Louie. God, the, the girlies don't know the work that went into making this specific episode. <laughs> if they but, do. But we'll tell them. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you, we, we worked um, so hard, uh, you know, having to overcome things. Well, I mean, te- places. technically we started recording uh, like an hour ago. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and this is yeah. the start of the episode. So people right. should know technically how good things went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like really, and if, if people out there are just like wondering, wow, I bet you Gavin and Louie just have like a high tech situation, <laughs> you know, a well-oiled machine. Um, you're right. You're correct. Correct. Keep that, uh, keep that assumption. We are pip pros Yes, yes. In 2022, honey? Oh, yeah. We've got it down to a science. Oh, um, God, compete. it is 2022. Oh, God. Happy New Year, <laughs> listeners. Happy New Year, everyone. We said we'd come back in 2022, and we know how to make a threat come true. Yes, yes, threatening. Um, I, Gavin, how was your, your holiday gauntlet? Oh, it was good. I made it out unscathed. You know, I, I battled through. I, I know that you had a, an incredibly hectic month, and I, I don't want anybody to think that you are not dedicated to the show. You're absolutely de- dedicated to the show. But I have no life, Louis. so... Well, guess what I'm dedicated to more, Gavin? <laughs> Insert Elwoods.gif me! <laughs> um, no, I... I Thought that the gauntlet was very fun. You got some really good guests back, some new guests. Um, tell me, did your heart grow three sizes or did it just shrivel up even more and turn into dust? Uh, I think it grew a couple sizes, but I think that might actually be a medical condition. I think right. I should probably get that looked yes. at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's, only, here. there's only so much telehealth can do, man. There's uh, <laughs> betterhelp.com. Um <laughs> If you're out there, girlies. Yeah, our, our very first ad. Look at that. I know. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. This is The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini-genre, and we give you a lot of history and then a little bit of what's good and a little bit of what's not so great. Yeah, we uh, pick a subject, we watch as much as we can in two weeks, then come back and report to you the good, the bad, we mix it up. But... Not this episode, honeys. Uh, this is our annual year in review uh, episode. So we're looking back, back, back to the movie, the 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 the, the cinema scape, if you will, of twenty twenty one. Can you believe that this is our fifth one of these? This is our no. fifth year in review episode, twenty twenty one in review. That's so. I mean, it's, we just—it's nuts. I mean, like, it's my fifth five-year anniversary of living in New York City. So, we've been doing the show as long as I've lived here. And the city has only improved since you got here. I know since... nothing has gone wrong. Everything's <laughs> great. Everything's fine since you passed all those ordinances. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's a truly such a weird thing to be, and we'll get to that later because I mean, we're going to be talking about the year, but it's a weird thing to be living in New York City right now because let me tell you. Everything that's happening here right now, everything that's been happening in the last couple of weeks, it's going to be where you are soon. Coming to a theater near you, babes. <laughs> so, everybody, fun. Have fun while you can. Stay, stay safe. Have fun. Yes. Wear a mask. Please. Get vaccinated. Um, 
Oh my god, Gavin, you're drinking a White Claw? I love it! I am. I'm ready to I'm, get crunk. Do kids I'm, still say that? Mm, Is that something kids say? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> am I cool? <laughs> I'm drinking a little glass of Pinot Noir. Oh, because you're the classy podcaster. Where I am the podcaster who's not like other podcasters. I'm a cool podcaster. Oh, Call me god. if you need anything. Okay, Gavin. Put your pink velour tracksuit away. <laughs> Um, before we dive into the year in review, we do have some old business. Um, if you go back in time to our last regularly programmed episode, we talked about, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who has a movie out right now, Licorice Pizza, um, that's making all the girlies sing and dance and live, laugh, love. Um, we asked you to go online and vote for your favorite PTA movie and hear the results. Uh, Magnolia came in at 17.3%. Boogie Nights, came, which was my pick, came in at third place with 21%. There Will Be Blood, which was your pick, was 25%. And coming out on top, Phantom Thread, 36%. Are you surprised? You know, weirdly not, I, I will say. I think Phantom Thread is uh, a universally loved crowd pleaser amongst people that like Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, the fact that it won the poll, I'm still ecstatic. I, I, we did get one comment when we posted this on Instagram, which was, wow, those are his four best movies. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Someone also did post, though, time to get out my soapbox and talk about how great Inherent Vice is. And I said, <laughs> I'm about to fucking kick that soapbox to the curb, honey. I don't want to hear it. That's my friend Casey, who lives in Austin. So thank you. I'm glad Casey listens and... Uh, has that soapbox that Louis has so delicately smashed by the side of the road. <laughs> Casey, honey, the reviews, they're mixed. <laughs> um, no, but thank you to everyone who um, voted. Uh, yeah, he's got the bangers, the bangers. Okay, Absolutely. I, oh God, the fact that I cannot go see licorice pizza right now, the fact that I, like, am terrified as an immunocompromised person i'm not saying live your life guys if you if you feel the need and you feel safe and can go to movie theater i on the other hand have not been to a theater in almost a month it's it's the dark times again for me and i i want to see it so bad somebody drop it on a fucking streaming service just put it on one the alamo draft house has like literal licorice pizza like pinball machines um and i was taking an insta of it obviously and like the manager behind the thing he was like you can play it you know and i was like i know but i'm getting my social content God. yeah you're like i do it for the engagement i don't yeah. what is this play Ugh. you're like mm, i don't want to touch that actually yeah. thank you um i am influencing at the moment thank you right right <laughs> Oh, we do. We have a, a message we want to read. Oh, we do. Thank you, actually, for reminding me. I am my brain so cluttered. Uh, I do want to <laughs> mention that we did get a very nice email from a listener. He says, "Hey, gents, 2021 was definitely superior to that previous year, but that's not even deserving of our mention." but it didn't come out without its bumps in the road. You two and the magic you perform in your podcast have made so many hours much better than they had a right to be. So my most sincere thanks to both of you, plus guests, for the laughs and entertainment. This podcast was a must-listen to all year and something to look forward to every other week. I didn't miss a single episode from the love of my life, Miss Pfeiffer herself, to going through Madge's interesting... Quotes. (laughs) Quotes. Film choices. I look forward to your next adventures through cinema history, so please keep up the good work. 
Thank you sincerely, Vincent. P.S. I recently got promoted, so expect a spike in followers as I make it a mandate to download your episode. <laughs> uh, thank and you so much. And that's the leadership we need in yes. the new year. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, if we could instill all of our listeners and friends in powerful positions and have them recommend. Yes. Uh, all, all my high-placed um, friends, you know, yes. my, my presidential friends, my White House <laughs> friends, um, we're just, heads of state. It just goes to show you that the subliminal messages that we're hiding in every episode really work. <laughs> Thank you, Josie and the Pussycats, for the technology. We really appreciate it. I was going to make a Manchurian Candidate reference, but you know what, Josie and the Pussycats, that's that's really our wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Come on, Gavin. <laughs> but I can't you. even spell Manchurian Candidate, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much, Vincent. That's such a sweet email. And thank you for taking the time to write that to us and send that our way. And if anybody else wants to email us, you can find us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And we will read your little love notes on the show. And also, once again, I know I normally save this for the end of the episode. But if you haven't yet, stop by Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and write us a little review. We will also read that on the show. What that does is it tricks our algorithmic overlord into telling people, hey, this thing is cool. And you want to be cool too, right? Hello, duh. Everything I do is to be cool. Um, okay. So this year, me and Gavin had a little like powwow about what this episode's going to look like. It's because we wanted to give, we wanted to shake things up, have a little more structure um, instead of, uh, you know, rambling through the year. Um, but certainly, Gavin, before we get started, like, what, what sticks out to you about this year? You know, this was the year where allegedly movies came back. Yeah, Nicole Kidman told me that, too. Nic- okay, you know, I don't know what the fucking craziest thing is. <laughs> I have not been to an AMC theater the the entire year. No, me neither. So, so I haven't seen the um, Nicole Kidman thing. Not even online? Um, Okay, don't yell at me like you're Sally Field and Mrs. Outfire. <laughs> Not even online. Not even <laughs> online. Not even online. <laughs> um, the one time I saw it was at a friend's place to watch um, Spencer. He had like a, a screener or whatever. And he played that before to give it the full experience. And I was like, huh. <laughs> hmm. AMC decided that Nicole Kidman was a spokesperson for Hollywood. Yeah. I don't make it make sense. We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. You know, I do wonder, and maybe this is maybe this is just me, like there was the whole thing and we talked about it in the last year's 2020 roundup. The Tom Cruise going back to the theater to see Inception 2 this time. It's about time travel. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie. And he was like, theaters are back, baby. And I was like, is this some sort of revenge thing, Nicole? Right. <laughs> and she, was she like, oh, near. When she yeah, 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 yeah. She says, I'm going to bring theaters back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sir. Um, but so tell me. Did you go back to the theaters? I know you said you were you haven't been in a while, but yeah, there was there was that weird time where there weren't any variants, and uh, 
you know, and even when Delta didn't seem like such a big deal before we moved on to the O section of the Greek alphabet, there was, you know, a, a brief moment and I got to see a lot of good movies that I, I got a chance to to go. But funny enough, I, I only went to, you know, like indie theaters and regal cinemas. So I, too, did not see the AMC commercial on the big screen. But uh but yeah, and it was good. It was nice. You know, I saw Candyman. I saw Dune. I saw The Green Knight. Things that I really enjoyed. Undine and Shiva Baby. Oh, Shiva Baby. Wow. Oh, the year's wow. best what horror a, movie. What honestly. a movie. <laughs> I, I Jackie love, Hoffman I love for resident. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned, like, we're, we're joking around about Nicole Kidman and this whole thing. But I will say, you know, I... My kind of like home theater is just going to the Alamo Draft House in downtown Brooklyn. It's just easy to get to. I like eating in the theater. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I will say the first time they have their own version of it where it's like they show like, have you seen it, Gavin? Their, their little like um, intro thing. Yes. Where it's like pictures of, uh, you know, first it's like scenes from movies in the movie theater. And then it like kind of switches over to pictures of real people in Draft House. Um, cinemas and I will say the first time I saw it I like got teary eyed I was like <laughs> holy shit like big, and and this is not an ad for them or whatever but like yeah I did used to go and I would do like Moulin Rouge sing-alongs with like my best friend and like I would go right literally the last time before the pandemic started like the day before like Broadway shut down and all that shit we went and saw like a special new screening or whatever of um La Cage Fall, the birdcage, like the like the birdcage, the, the literal inspiration for the um the art that I made for our merch, and so I was like, yeah, I guess this kind of was like a thing that we would always do. I remember going to that same draft house to hang out with you and like your friends playing trivia one night, like in the bar yeah. there, like um, and so uh, yeah, for all the like shit, <laughs> um, I I rightfully so give to Nicole, um. I, <laughs> she, I you know, she doesn't that, pay your rent. You know, I know, I know, <laughs> yet. Uh, <laughs> but like, there is, there was something. I get the idea or the feeling that they're this welcoming back of like people into theaters and kind of like wanting to be like, hey, these are important, not because we're like capitalist fucking monsters, but also like they really were like these places of community. Um, that like people kind of would go to and it's not because like oh, what's the line she says how can I cry or like how can I laugh when my heart is breaking whatever the fuck she says the cheesy fucking yeah, lines she's, she said something about like heartbreak somehow feels good here I right even, yeah like no it's not about that it's literally about like being around my friends and family like on Christmas day going to see the family stone okay like it's not <laughs> the movie, movies can be bad but I can still enjoy being there with like my friends laughing at fucking Lady Gaga tromp her way through House of Gucci, okay? Like, it's I'm there because I'm there with my girlies, not because fucking Nicole Kidman says it feels good to be in a theater. Right. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, this was the year of us coming back to the theater. Um, there was a lot of good movies. There was a lot of bad movies. Um, there and, always is, baby. Yes, and there are more ways and places for us to watch and see them. Um, so without further ado, uh, Gavin, I believe you have our roadmap for the episode. Yes. And so, so why don't we, we go right in, honey? Yeah, why don't we get into that rewind? 
So the year 2021, what can we say about it other than it is the it's the weird year because it's not the year the pandemic begins. It's the year that we're living with the pandemic and we're adjusting right. to this this new life. And so as the beginning of the year started, you know, as we said, things started to open back up. People are getting their vaccines. Good on you. Uh, but there were a, a couple trends that, you know, that occurred this year besides, you know, theaters opening and closing and and that right. sort of humps going back uh louis took some great notes the other night when he was here and so one of the things uh that was such a weird trend alert this year is it felt like and who knows if this will work because now people are treating them like they're box office disasters but it's the year musicals came back you know yeah and honestly We've had musicals. I mean, the cats started the pandemic, uh, right? literally. Literally. <laughs> and, but this was the year that had a, a lot of musicals. And I will say it was like a special case because a lot of these musicals would have come out in 2020 or pushed to this year because of the pandemic. Um, so there was In the Heights, which I think kicked us off. There was Jervin Hansen. There was the atrocity that was Cinderella. <laughs> Um, how could you forget? How could you forget? Um, everybody's talking about Jamie. Everybody's talking about Jamie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that was. That was, that was the, I uh, feel like the easiest word, Jamie, was the one that you really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that was the one I ruined. Uh, I apologize. I had a stroke. Yeah, to all the Jamies out there. To the Jamies. <laughs> to the Jamies. Um, okay, so there's that's four. Um, then there was Tick, Tick, Boom, five. And then West Side Story, six. At least six. There maybe could have been more, but like those were like the big tent poly. I remember at the beginning of the year, people were like writing the very like ridiculously early like Oscar nomination prediction things, and people were like, "Oh, Ben Platt's going for his Oscar," and Julianne Moore. Um, you know, obviously Steven Spielberg and West Side Story. Uh, people, I remember there was like a weird like two weeks where somehow a select few Twitter folks had already seen In the Heights and they were like, it's the best movie ever. It's going to fucking change everything. And then uh, In the Heights came and it just like kind of belly flopped. Um, And, you know, and that's not a judgment. For me, I thought In the Heights was fine. Um, Yeah. There's some, there's some really (laughs) stunning moments, I will say Mm -hmm. in it. But overall, I think I'm in agreement with you where I was like, yeah, this was okay. I just love the original stage version so much. I thought this one like took out a lot of like the actually interesting political bite and just was like dreamers eh? <laughs> white people are mean eh? it's like okay yeah well, well that one's true as the as the white person on this podcast, I will admit white people are mean that's correct um I mean just like a quick update Mexicans also very mean it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Good. I'm glad we got that covered. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. But but I I do love the music of In the Heights and John Chu. I mean, he's coming back 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 at us again with Wicked in wherever many years. Here's the thing: what I think about John Chu, he is maybe like, and we'll get to this later, but like maybe the queen of beautiful gowns. Yeah. Um, the girly nose spectacle, nose you know like flash razzle dazzle, um, and. In the Heights was a lot of that, but like I don't know to what end. I don't know that it like is necessarily in service to narrative. Uh, not, to, not that's not to say that it doesn't work because Crazy Rich Asians I thought really did work. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, but I understand what you're saying is like 
sometimes spectacle and that's the whole thing with crazy rich Asians is that it's a lot about the spectacle. Right. And so for that, he's like clearly hitting the beats, you know, he's getting those like highs of like, how crazy can this amount of money, just endless amount of money be. But then like in, in the Heights, he's suddenly adding in this like magical realism where they're dancing on walls and shit. And it's like, but even like the dissociation of musicals, like that doesn't make sense to me. Like that, that's not part of the show really. Like, but you know, the, the, if there was like the part that I loved about this movie was Abuela Claudia and her song about like dreaming back to the Dominican Republic. I mean, it was like so powerful, so good. And so like, and that's where like the razzle dazzle did work like at this dream sequence. Um, but I don't know. It didn't, for me, it didn't work on all levels. There was also, you know, that movie had a small, backlash against it because of the fact that they were only casting light skin latino latinx you know actors and the dominican republic is full of darker skinned and black afro-latina characters and i i mean it's one of those things where i totally understand uh why that happened but it was funny to watch the people that were like oh well now you're getting too specific right now you want right. realism in it and it's like yeah but like but that our, was their whole thing their whole that, thing was like we're gonna we're gonna right. hire all of these latino actors and so yeah they fucked i mean to me i'm like how did you fuck up that monument right like, exactly if like if you're you know you're calling the movie in the heights like you're representing a real place yeah and so yeah. it makes sense that people would be upset not to see themselves represented on screen just like the very glaringly obvious like colorism thing is just like so yeah. um to me it's it's silly seems like a trite word to say but like it is like how could you be like so laser focused on like ugh, inclusion yes everything we're gonna because they really were patting themselves on the back for a long while and then like normal fucking human beings were like hey where are the black latinos you fucking crazy and, people and the problem was and we've talked about this before. When these questions are brought to you, you've got to have answers and you can't mm-hmm. get defensive. And it seemed like a lot of the like defensive. stuff, especially coming from John Chu himself, was like, like, oh, well, sorry. Uh, and it's like we had Mark Anthony. OK, leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that at least uh, that encourages more people to tell more stories and get out there and do it right. Then, What would you say to folks who say that in the Heights, privileges, white passing, and light-skinned Latinx people? I would say that that's a fair conversation to have. I mean, I, listen, we're not going to get everything right in, uh, in a movie. Uh, we tried our best on all fronts of it. I do think there's something to be said about sharing in experiences and me never trying to say I knew, I know what I'm doing, but to just give room to everybody to speak up about what we're doing at that moment. That was the start of the musicals of the year. I do have to ask, last year for a 2020 episode, you were eagerly awaiting a musical. You were like, it's upon us. The Dear Evan Hansons of the world, it's coming for us. Stop. We're going to love it. Uh, Uh, Jennifer Hudson, you're going to love me. Oh my God, respect also. Respect, which I actually just watched today. Uh, What 
what did you think? Because oh, I, didn't, I didn't see it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know Gavin, why I slipped into Bobcat Goldthwait. You are so hateful for this. I cannot. Bo- <laughs> okay, listen. If, if I was truly mean, I would dig up a clip and put it right here. The streamers are desperate and thirsty for content. We know we're getting Dear Evan Hansen, the musical, the movie. Like, But are we also going to get, I don't know, like, once on this island? Are we getting, you know, Percy Jackson? Are we getting Be More Chill? Those, those are musicals that, like, really didn't do anything. But, you know, they're there. They're built in. We have stars. Ah! Stop! Okay, listen. I want everyone to know that we all have problematic faves, okay? And Jeremy Hansen, the stage musicale, is one of mine. I've seen it twice. Um, I, I saw Ben Platt. I thought he was amazing. And listeners, the movie is worse. Um, when you saw Ben Platt, was he already with his walker? Or at that point, had he just moved <laughs> to a full-on he, rider? He was like he was a ripe 38 years old, <laughs> looking gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> the, no, the yeah. skin of a 27-year-old. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think, like, here's the main thing. On stage, it's fu- like it's very normal for people to be playing yes. younger. We're far away; it, you can't really like see. It's fine on the movie screen. It just doesn't work. Um, this movie also, I think, they did not know what they were doing. It collapsed in and itself. Like it yeah. just they tried to make um, the, the the show is problematic, and so they tried to like kind of write around it and like write some of those wrongs, but. Instead of like making it better, they just like introduced plot holes and um, you know cut songs that were really important to like storytelling and added another fucking song instead for like a best original song nomination. That's not gonna happen. It's it's very bad. It's very bad. On I, but you know the 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 worst part is I still fucking cried. <laughs> um, because so, of how bad it was. Why well, am I watching this? Well, no, I mean, I think the movie and the show is very good at manipulating emotions. Like, and I am yeah. a sucker. Like, so, I mean, Julianne Moore and him are very good together. Um, and, like, the writing is, like, this mother who, like, is has lost control of her son because he's a fucking liar. Um, and kind of, like, manipulating a bunch of people. And so that, that always gets me. But, like, overall storytelling, it does not work on any level. It's and, and also Ben Platt's bad. And, and I was going to say, you know, based off the casting of Ben Platt as a teenager, am I safe to assume that Amy Adams plays his high school girlfriend in the film? Is that <laughs> Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> and that is, no, his girlfriend is Caitlin Deaver in the movie. Oh, I love Caitlin Deaver. <laughs> and she's great. It's just not good. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how dare you, Gavin? I hate you so much. <laughs> um, let us never speak of this movie again. <laughs> Well, also on the t- subject of high school musicals, we also got Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which, of course, is a, a British mainstay. It was big on the West End. I don't think it's ever really come to the U.S. It certainly hasn't had a no. Broadway debut. Uh, it was turned into a film. I thought it was going to be a TV movie. And then I watched it and was like, oh, no, they spent money on they this. They spent money. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't hate it, uh, but I, I will say it wasn't great i thought the script was real bad it's like gay 101 for i don't know what's like after gen z like it's, yes 
It's the, the Zoomers. Is that it? It's Gay 101 for Zoomers. No, aren't the Zoomers Gen Z? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm a millennial. All... I'm not paid to know this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's you. You said it really well when we hung out. It was like there's the best scene of this film is uh, Richard E. Grant plays like this elder drag queen who is like mentoring Jamie. Has a really great number called something like this is what this was us yeah and like it's this like flashback of the 80s and like you know f- the drag queens fighting and like protests qu- and pride queer parades liberation and, and yeah, yeah yeah and and also the you know the aids epidemic um and then immediately after <laughs> jamie <laughs> is like oh my god did you know that like drag queens like <laughs> weren't just like insta famous yeah exactly like Oh, it used to be hard for drag queens. Like, yeah, yeah. What? Like, it's yeah, yeah. It's not just wanting to buy shoes and become Instagram famous. You fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like, but if it's for the children, if it's for the Serena Chachas of the world, like it, it is one hundred percent for the Crystal Versaces. Yes. Because if they can win Drag Race UK three, spoiler alert, then Jamie can be a drag queen. Yeah. And, and we need we need this movie for them to learn learn something, read a book, <laughs> listen to Richard E. Grant. Jamie has some very aggressive bangs. He certainly does. Um, um, okay, I mean, I didn't watch Cinderella. I don't give a no. shit. Me neither. No, not gonna do it, babe. So- sorry, Billy Porter. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I will say, like. It was just like a year, like the the musicals was like disappointment on disappointment. Yeah. Until finally, thank God, the one-two punch of Tick, Tick, Boom and West Side Story, I was like, salvation. Thank and God. And what's really funny is Tick, Tick, Boom is a really hard to adapt show yep. to the screen. And listen, say what you will about Lin-Manuel Miranda. And personally, I don't even think the movie is amazingly directed i think there's certainly some first-time director pitfalls and i know you liked it better than i did Mm -hmm. but i think he did something that's very difficult to take something that is essentially a show of like you know a band three singers and a man at a piano doing a one man right now i think they could have cut the rap a little embarrassing Uh, i liked the rap well (laughs) Uh, did you just call me embarrassing (laughs) <laughs> bitch no i think um yeah i i think the same thing though like this tick tick boom is not the tick tick boom that jonathan larson wrote no. like this tick tick boom is the tick tick boom he wrote plus a biopic that they have kind of like fused onto it about yeah. jonathan larson um that's not controversial that's not a hot take that is a fact they have like this wraparound of like jonathan was an artist he changed the way everything was. Blah yeah. blah blah. I do I'm, think it, I do think it's funny, and I know I'm gonna get shit for this, but I'm gonna say it here. I do think it's funny that there's a big scene of him being like angry about the fact that musicals are gonna be like. Uh, he essentially he pulls like a Martin Scorsese, and he's like, musicals are just gonna be theme parks, uh, you know, and everything. And honestly, like, Rent caused a lot of that, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he didn't know that. He wasn't alive right. for it, but I just like I was like, this is rich, Mister mm-hmm. <laughs> Not Real Larson. I will say there the, the most beautiful thing I think about the movie is just like it feels like this passing down of art between like these people, yeah. you know. So the song time of it all, um, and, and the movie came out like right before he died. Yeah, um, and that's actually him and the and the final. Yeah. 
uh, voicemail. Uh, voicemail. Well, voicemail. Wow, we we really are millennials. The answering machine message that he leaves Jonathan Larson. That actually is Sondheim himself and not Bradley Whitford in Sondheim Drag. The main thing, though, is that it's first-rate work and has a future. And so do you. I'll call you later with some thoughts, if that's okay. Meanwhile, be proud. I loved the idea that, you know, Sondheim had passed down this, like, love and generosity to yeah. Jonathan Larson, who had then passed it down to, uh, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, and it kind of felt like this, like, full circle thing that um, as a theater lover is very, um, I don't know, there was like this crazy catharsis of just like this thing I love and it's on the screen. And um, and there's this like amazing cameos. It's, it's, it's fun. If you're a theater lover, it's great. If you're not, I think it's still like a good movie. You probably just won't like catch everything yeah which is and, fine. and it is very much aimed at the at the theater lovers and it's so funny because when you look at the reverse of that which is the new west side story which i have not had a chance to see because once again i have not been able to go to the theater but it, it seems like the new west side story is sort of the reverse of that where it's not necessarily about making it stagey it's about making it more cinematic yeah, I think it the, the the new West Side Story is all about making it more human and less about the style, yeah. um, and and that's not a bad thing. I think it's no. very fucking good. I think I've it's, heard I, only good things, and I the it's funny that it's being considered such a financial bomb right now when there's we're in an uptick in a pandemic. <laughs> there's right. one in every twenty five people in New York City has covid at the moment like yeah i think it, it i think it's a stunning movie and i i've i've already seen it twice <laughs> um yeah i loved it so much um but i think that's all of our musical talk i mean i don't think musicals are going away anywhere right like no. i think and like, and like listen this uptick might totally be a fluke especially now that West Side Story has been deemed financially poisonous and and therefore maybe things that might have been in development are are going to be pushed back a bit. I don't think it's going to affect Wicked, but I also Wicked has been in development for like a decade, so who knows. Also, in the Heights is no Wicked, like Wicked is right. still fucking running. Um is running 10,000 times around the world. In the Heights ran for like what 2 years in like 10 years ago. Yeah. But speaking of, that gives us the perfect springboard to another subject, which is girlies who have had a big year. And Lin-Manuel Miranda has had a huge year, as well as Andrew Garfield, who was in Tick, Tick, Boom with him. Lin-Manuel Miranda was all over the place. You got Tick, Tick, Boom. You got In the Heights, which he had written. You got Encanto, which he wrote. And Vivo, which was his... He was, it's like a Netflix um, animated movie. Yeah, I feel like this was very much like the benefits of, you know, obviously Hamilton, but then like Moana kind of just like, they were like, okay, we'll let you write some songs for Moana. Let's see how it goes. And then they were like, oh yeah, great. Here's an entire movie. Absolutely. Um, I've been seeing a lot of love for Encanto. Um, I was not encanted. Um... (laughs) But in fact, you were decanted. I was decanted. <laughs> and, we're let, and we're just letting you breathe now. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, it might have been that my cousins were playing it like over and over again and it just annoyed the shit out of me. But I truly do think like there is not one song in the bunch that I thought, oh, that's a new Disney classic. <laughs> um, I, uh, Listen, Louie, let it go. Let I, it go. It, even if there was something to the let it go level, like I, I, I knew something was amiss. Did you watch Encanto? I've not seen it yet, no. And that one I have no excuse for because I have my sister's Disney Plus. I mean, oh. if you're listening, Big Disney, I pay for <laughs> Disney Plus. <laughs> yes. Um, they the, the opening song is like literally Welcome to the House of Madrigal. And she just sings over and over again, Welcome to the House of Madrigal. This is my cousin. This is my aunt. This is my grandma. And I just thought, is there not like a more clever way to do this than literally like the opening number being like, welcome to the house of Madrigal? Like, Louis is sitting there and he's like, there must be more to this provincial life. <laughs> Hello? It felt a little bit too hokey-pokey, yeah. holly-hobby for me. Um, I know some girlies on Twitter have been, like, saying that they love the message of, like, talking to each other and, like, the pressures they put on each other. Yeah, sure. Great. I think that's a really good, like, blueprint for a story. The execution, honey, was not there for me. Not your fave. No. Uh, I mean, you know, I we mentioned Tick, Tick, Boom earlier and i i in a way felt similarly uh not so much that i was like oh can we do something but like i i had similar issues and like you said i didn't hate it i didn't hate it but i was just like lynn some of these tricks don't worry guys i loved it enough for both of us (laughs) but speaking of andrew garfield the star of tick tick boom another big year we got I have four movies. Well, uh, spo- we got three and and maybe a spoiler, but you know, we got Tick Tick Boom. We got yes. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, lovely movie. Just and, lovely. And Mainstream, the Gia Coppola movie. And then also maybe a big budget movie that he got tired of talking about because everybody kept asking him about it. And also, if we tell you about it, you're going to be mad about it. So. It's Spider-Man, guys. I yeah. don't give a fuck. It's, it's, <laughs> if, if you didn't want the Spider-Man spoilers, like, there that you've seen the movie yeah. um and yeah i he plays I was, black widow he um. plays black widow. it's crazy <laughs> um i saw eyes of tammy faye loved it i thought jessica chastain was amazing you know really not a movie about him obviously no. um but he was there i thought he was really good um i didn't see mainstream but then when i saw tick tick boom i was like holy shit balls yeah. like he fucking just like is you know, really doing the thing. And then, you know, I went to go see Spider-Man and he's also kind of, I was like, I've always thought that he was a, my favorite Spider-Man. I, I like his Spider-Man movies more than most people do. The second one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I bought a bitch. I, I, oh, I, I, will, I, I will say, I will say I really despise Jamie Foxx yeah, in the spider universe. Really he's so bad. Um, but I just think, him and um, Emma Stone have enough chemistry yeah. to like carry any movie on their backs. When she spoiler dies at the end of the second one, I was just like, 
Be Gwen Stacy dies? Oh my god. Uh, Is it from falling off of something? <gasps> can you believe? All that to say, his return to Spider-Man, um, No Way From Home or No Fucking Home, whatever. I, 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 th- I thought he was really good. I was like, oh my god, he's... He, there is a reason why he was a fucking good Spider-Man and it's like, you know, it's showing because fucking Tobey Maguire there being like, giving the least, yeah, sleeping his way through this paycheck. Um, Tom Holland is cute. I have nothing, no issues with him, but Andrew Garfield really just did deserve so much more. Um, And I'm glad he kind of got this like victory lap, getting his flowers, people now clamoring for more amazing Spider-Man movies I, it's it's funny because i will go to bat for the one that you've not seen mainstream not in to say that it is a good movie it is not a good movie and i did not particularly like it but once again it's another example of andrew garfield throwing himself fully into the, this character and essentially he plays a sociopathic uh reality star a social media star who like will do anything to maintain that fame under right. the guise of being like, turn off your phones, live in the moment. Look at that young lady. She looks so happy. Look, she still asked for my number at the end of the show. Meaning what? Meaning she couldn't have been that sad because she was still trying to fuck me. Oh! He's so good in it and so despicable and so disgusting and awful. And truly, unlike anything else he did this year. Right. That's the, he, I mean, the, the range. Yeah. He blew me away. And I, once again, not a movie I liked. In the end, I was like, this all feels too little too little, little too late. But he himself was so good at delivering this character you wanted nothing more than to see dropped off a building. Gwen Stacy style. <laughs> and I do think it has been a really good year for him. Will he get the notices he deserves, the nods, the awards? I don't know. A lot of people have been calling early awards for him for a tick tick boom if that happens great but it's certainly i don't think it's gonna come ever be sure yeah but on another subject in a good segue is that we have the marvel cinematic universe going small this year and technically that started at the end of last year with wandavision but this was really the year it picked up steam because we got all of their tv shows we got loki we got hawkeye we got you know uh Falcon, Falcon and, and Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier, the one I didn't watch. And, <laughs> and then you got their movies. And what was interesting is Disney is pumping so much money into the TV shows that it became kind of hard, in my opinion, to differentiate the movies from the TV. Black Widow. I like Kate Shortland a lot. Black Widow looked like a TV show. It looked like a yeah. long episode of another TV show. And, you know, a character carried over from that into the Hawkeye TV show. Uh, Shang-Chi, I know a lot of people who loved it. I was like, most of this looks like big screen TV to me. I like Shang-Chi more than you did. Yeah. And I mean, there's things I like. I mean, honestly, we did an entire Michelle Yeoh episode. I will. Hello. I will throw myself in front of a truck for either Tony Leung or Michelle Yeoh. So like... (laughs) But at the same time, I, I don't know that there was something about the formulaicness of what's happening with the Marvel movies that I was turned off by the big screenness of the of the movies and was kind of like, I don't know, these TV shows, especially Hawkeye, are doing it for me. 
I was, I, and so it's funny, I liked Shang-Chi more than you did, and I liked Hawkeye less than you did. I swear to God, I was like, if I see one more fucking LARPer, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> oh, you know, the the Angelina, Angelina Jolie in the room, you know, we haven't even touched upon. The Eternals. Um, Eternals, which I really liked. Um, I know a lot of people did not like it, but I was you know, losing my little mind in the theater. You know, more than anything, I saw critics not liking it. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I have not had a chance to see it once again because of everything that's been going on. But I know that, you know, critically it was sort of panned, but from the people that are not critics that I've heard from, a lot of them say, no, this is something different. You know, yes. this is a different thing from the Marvel Universe. And, it was a breath of fresh. And honestly, that's what I want. I want a breath of fresh. I want something that feels, and perhaps that's why I didn't like Shang-Chi as much as as everybody else did. But it it felt like, because I mean, there were even moments where I was like, okay, I'm really scared that, you know, like it's all the bros are going to be like, it's not enough action, it's too boring. But I was like, I remember feeling like, oh my God, this is riveting. Like the the action is really thrilling. But I even think like the personal uh the the drama and the relationships are also really thrilling the the the, the big you know fight over like it's basically a fight over god and religion and like and i just thought like that's really fucked up because you can never win an argument with someone over like their beliefs like if <laughs> this god believes that everyone on earth has to die that's like well i'm sorry honey that's what the god says i need to do um yeah and i thought the cast was great i the the worst part was like the marvelness of it all which was like the post credits nonsense with like harry styles i was like okay well marvel's here again um also <laughs> oh, i just somebody love... invited marvel back <laughs> yeah but also like um selma hayek as like this like goddess who loves to like ride horses i'm into it <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah no i i'm looking forward to seeing it when it eventually does hit streaming and that sort of brings us to another topic, which was this was this big year of same day streaming. Obviously, that's what Netflix is doing because that's what they want to do as a streaming service, you know, to begin with. But we also got a lot of the Warner Brothers releases same day as in theaters. We got and, all of them, I believe. Yes. And and also, you know, the aforementioned Black Widow, which came out with a with a controversially. Tag. Yeah. With a price tag of an additional something like fifteen dollars, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like thirty bucks, whatever. Uh, Corella, the same thing. Uh, Scarlett Johansson tried to sue over it, and you know we saw how that lawsuit and eventual settlement sort of played out, and and everybody seems copacetic now because Disney has all the money in the world, so it doesn't <laughs> matter to them. And yeah, but it was a, it was an interesting time to see because you also had a lot of directors sort of bite back at HBO about putting their movies out on HBO Max, especially Denis Villeneuve, by the way, if anybody needs a pronouncer, and, you know, over Dune. And he got very upset at, at HBO putting it out on the same day, being like, my movie needs to be seen in the theater. But also, babes, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know how many times I get to say that this episode, but... Right. And, you know, there, I saw a lot of people, you know, saying people, people were like, oh, oh, well, like when the last duel flopped, um, you know, uh, Ridley Scott was like crying because millennials and whatever young people don't watch movies. And people were saying, 
girly, we couldn't stream this anywhere. You know, like if, if people right. could have, I think right now movies live and die by the buzz they create because guess what? People were talking about Mortal Kombat. People were talking about, you know, right. the and movies. Mortal Kombat was bad. Really yes. bad. Yes. And it's like, yeah, that's an IP, but like it was streaming. It was bad. But like Space Jam is another one where like yes. I cannot imagine who would have went to see Space Jam in the theater. But I watched it because it was available to stream. What was the movie that was like a horror movie that everyone was talking about? Malignant. Malignant. That movie, if it had come, honestly, I think if it had come out just in theaters in any normal year, like it probably wouldn't have done much. But because we were at home, we were watching stuff, we could screen cap, we could like, you know, react. Like I saw people as characters from Malignant for Halloween, you know, like, and, and that is, I think the, um, how movies are really going to live and die by it today. Um, and, and, and it really does matter if, you know, the movies are able to be streaming. Um, because those movies, I think to me, at least, even if like they didn't make gangbuster money at the theaters, they at least were part of the culture conversation. You know, people were talking about these things, whereas stuff like the last duel, it's like, Who's seen that movie, babe? Hmm? Who's yeah. going out to see that? And and I will say there is an argument to be made about the fact that The Last Duel was a remnant, one of the last remnants of Fox before yes. Disney bought them. And it's very clear that Disney did not spend as much time or money advertising the things that they didn't think would be successes. <laughs> West Side Story. And ah! I think I think that certainly did hurt those films as well. Um but also, the like, last... the, West du- the, the Last Duel was always going to be a movie for older yes. people. Famously, older people are more susceptible to the pandemic. Like, they w- yes. like the things that people are going to see in theaters right now are things like, I don't know, Venom. Um, yes. You know, like, it's... It, Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man yes. proved it, you know? Yes. That's the big, huge blockbuster, billions of dollars, you know? Yes. And, These are movies that are squarely aimed at young men. And guess what? Like, young men are feeling more confident and comfortable going out to the theater. Like, because men are what? Stupid. (laughs) I wasn't going to say it. But you were going to imply it. And I. (laughs) The facts remain. Um, No, but yeah, like, young men were never going to go out in droves to see West Side Story. They were never going to go out in droves to see The Last Duel. And that's fine. Not all movies are for young men. How about that? Um, but, like, if they're not, like, there needs to be other... I mean, we talked a little bit about um, Halloween Kills. Yes. Right? That's, like, Halloween Kills um, streams same day on Peacock. Jason Bloom, uh, who produced Halloween Kills, said, hey, I want people to see this movie. Because right. um, they because, had Because that, he uh, put out Freaky at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic, and there was a lot of buzz around it, and then nobody saw it in the theaters. Right. No access. And so he said, we're not going to do the same with Halloween Kills. And it Halloween Kills made some money, you know, in the theater. And, and, it, like, and it made a ton of people talk about it because people could watch it at home. Yeah. But, so, like, I think to, like, kind of circling back to the Marvel of it all, like, I think it does make sense that the, it is the, the blurring of the lines between, you know, uh, TV and uh, film. The only like hard and true difference that I think is going to like, you know, keep us going forward is that we as human beings are social people and like being around each other. And like, 
I, I'll never forget when I watched Girls Trip um, and just laughing in the theater together. I'll never yeah. forget, you know, like, and those are things that we want to experience. Like, and so I'm not saying that, like, fuck theaters. I'm just saying things are different. And if you want right. your movie to, like, have a life, it needs to be accessible in more places. And I think that's the perfect way to put it because I, you know, I also am a big proponent of the theater. I waited till I felt safe to see Dune in the theater and I wouldn't have replaced that. You know, I saw the green Knight in the theater. I, these are movies that I wanted to see big. Right. But at the same time, I'm not going to risk my health if I don't have to. And by putting these things into the conversation, you're getting more eyes on them and you're, and you're getting more people to talk about them and you're building stuff. Now, the reverse of that, and we did see some of that this year, was Netflix. Netflix is particularly bad about the fact that they don't really advertise that much, <laughs> it feels like. And they had many high profile films this year that like supposedly created buzz, but I don't know most of the people that have seen a lot of them. And a great example of that is this fictional movie called Red Notice that I don't know anybody who's ever seen this movie with Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds and, and The, the Rock. Rock. And I feel like they they shot a trailer and said, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We we got a movie out of this. And then, and then they came out with the stat that it was the most streamed thing ever. Ever. And literally, I don't know anybody who's where... seen this movie. No, no, I, I refuse to believe it. I mean, it's just like it, it, that movie was made in a lab. Like yeah. they said, wait, The Rock, Wonder Woman and fucking Ryan Reynolds, who like yeah. isn't anything. And it's a success. Like, perfect. Done. Um, it reminds me, someone tweeted, I don't, I don't remember who, but that, you know, Netflix, Netflix's main audience is, is Walmart. But yet they continue to insist on making these highbrow films like Power of the Dog and Hand of God. And like, who are these movies for? They're making these movies because they want Oscar trophies, not because they want people to watch them. Right. And once again, those movies are critically acclaimed. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Power of the Dog has ended up on so many top 10 lists at the end of the year. But I think if you, you know, like my mom has no idea what that is. When I was home for, I, I went upstate for two days for Christmas my mom didn't even know that there was a new Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix. And so it's like, these are the people you have to advertise to. These are your audience. And like, I don't understand how anybody's seeing these movies without them advertising to them. Right. Yeah. It's very wild. Um, I, I will say the one kind of like thing that I still do enjoy is that it leads to, Back in the olden times of Netflix, there was a lot of discovery. Yes. And so there is still this really great, like, discovery that gets to happen. I mean, you know, uh, what was that movie? The Mitchells versus the Machines? Yes. Loved it. Uh, holy shit. Like, wonderful movie. Like, kind of came and went. Not a lot of, like, advertising. But I was just like, ah, oh, what a gem. Glad those robots are gone. Now it's just us humans with our very human faces. All right, I just turned the corner. I like these guys. Yes, my human guy name is Eric. My name is also Eric. No, I mean Deborah. Bot, 5,000. Idiot. Due to the nature of the show, I don't get a lot of opportunities to rewatch things unless it's a subject that we've 
but the Mitchells versus the Machines is a movie I've rewatched several times this year. So like, it's just so good. It's very it's good. so fun. Um, yeah, Netflix is gonna Netflix, I guess. Like, it's really hard to parse out what the fuck their deal is, but <laughs> good on them, I guess. I did go and see um, a movie. I saw Tick Tick Boom at the Netflix theater at the Paris. Which is funny because I also saw Passing uh, as part of the Movie Go program at the IFC theater. And it was so nice to see that on the big screen because, you know, it's such a cinematic movie and it's so specific in its style, in its use of black and white. It looked so good on the big screen and it had such nuance. And I'm curious, as I've not watched it on Netflix, I'm curious as to how streaming it you know, it's I mean, it's it definitely like takes you out of it. I saw it on Netflix. I mean, talk about another movie on Netflix that just kind of came and went. Like, I know. no, no, no. That deserved on... so much more ten, uh, attention, you know. Right. I just don't understand why they don't have literally one category that's just like, here are Oscar movies this year, guys. Yeah. Like here they, they all are um, because you literally have to type in passing to get it to come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a very intimate movie that like. I think obviously benefits from being on the big screen um, that you're just not going to get uh, watching it in your, um, you know, certainly me like watching it in my office, like not really <laughs> the vibe. And you did as our last trend alert on this list before moving to our superlatives and our top picks and our bottom picks. Uh, you do have it's also a year of manly movies. Listen, it is a year of manly movies. I think, you know, for all the musicals that we got, I was just like, my God, between I saw. So there was um, Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, There was Mortal Kombat, which I just don't understand the physics of ice breaking and also not breaking in this movie. (laughs) Um, That's that's the biggest worry. I agree. (laughs) Hello. Thank you. Uh, also like the idea that like you have to unleash your power somehow through like the spirits or gods and they give you one power and like Jax's is is, like the metal arms you have we're making them better like what my favorite thing is and listen like I don't love pandering to fanboys in any way shape or form but like when you make a movie like that the whole intent is to pander to fanboys and what's the best way you can do that then creating a entirely new character to focus right, the movie right. on i was like I was what like, is happening i was like I was googling <laughs> that shit while i was watching the movie i was like is this someone i should know no nope, <laughs> nope. yeah I, I was like what if instead of him just make it johnny cage yeah who cares Crazy, make it johnny. right what, what uh, an idea right just make the regular normal human dude like the entry point anyway um but yeah, it was a good try, but it's a no for me, dog. Um, and then there was also, uh, what else? Oh, Kong versus Godzilla. Yes, which is the most successful on all, in all honesty of those three of that type of like, because I think it's, that movie is not as hyper-masculine as you would think for a movie that's about two giant animals punching each other and destroying a city. But they found a way to make it both silly and exciting they centered a lot of it around millie bobby brown's character and so yeah Yeah, i don't know i thought surprisingly fun yeah yeah i thought it was a delight a true delight i had some friends over we watched it on our big projector and it was great 
I, I was gagged when Mechagodzilla came out. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is lovely. It's, um, it's so funny, too, because it, that movie should have the 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 reverse tagline of aliens versus predator it should be whoever wins we win uh-huh yeah <laughs> hello um yeah i thought like there was there's obvious counter programming to all these musicals um and 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 you know th- these were the things that were driving people to the theater you know i would even argue like halloween kills um yeah. and even um Oh, and Spider-Man, you know, obviously, like, that, it, these things were made for, like, with teen boys in mind. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's just kind of a fact. And it was just, like, very obvious. I think Mortal Kombat, um, really, they were going for, like, you know, the kind of the classic Mortal Kombat stuff. Ripping people's heads off, you know, kind of violence and gore. Which, again, great. Um, just make a better movie. Yeah. It, se- it seems like it shouldn't be that hard. But... Then Especially again. F- for like a literal IP that has all this backstory that you could easily mine. I don't know, yeah. like already established characters, and already listen, established. I don't style. know all the backstory, but I know that wasn't it. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but it has been such a weird, diverse year for movies. We've been in and out of theaters. Nicole Kidman's trying to beckon us back in, <laughs> like like a siren on the sea. But we saw some movies this year that maybe were not the best. And we started a great new award last year dedicated to the dearly departed Aretha Franklin called Mm -hmm. the Beautiful Gowns Award. The Beautiful Gowns Award. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Oh, beautiful gowns. And what Beautiful Gowns is, is we talk very briefly about a movie that we saw that looked just great gorgeous but didn't have a lot going on besides that yeah the, um the lights were on but no one was home um just a really stunning pretty thing to look at very monet if you will yeah that's that's a clueless reference um, and, and hey film is a visual medium and sometimes yeah, so, that means not supplying anything else so there's that uh gavin who gets your beautiful gowns award this year I actually have a tie this year. And one okay. I think yeah, one I think most people will agree with and one I think people are going to think I'm nuts. But okay. the first one is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. A okay, movie, yes. A movie that just looked oh, beautiful. That man plays a post-production edit suite like a symphony and I've said that before, but baby where was the story? <laughs> there was no there there. Uh, it's a movie about Thomasin McKenzie who can see ghosts and she starts living in the past of Anna Taylor-Joy's life. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a big sexist twist in the last 15 minutes that really Hot. makes n- no fucking sense. And <laughs> just like genuinely... I, I, you know, it it deflates like a balloon with a thousand holes punched in it, and I was just like, "Huh, this is the thing I just sat through." Great, but she's beautiful. She's beautiful she's to look beautiful at. Beautiful to look at. Oh my god, what a darling! Gorgeous gowns. A darling. Um, and my second one, the one I think people will maybe reject as an idea, would be Pablo Lorraine's Spencer. That's <sighs> right. Wow. I'm gasping. I'm gasping just because, like, I kind of agree. Yeah, I kind of agree. 
everyone's favorite Princess Diana film because Hollywood just won't let that corpse rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll be honest, Kristen Stewart. Fine. I like Kristen Stewart. I think she's a great actress. But this movie was a lot of twirling, a lot of putting on outfits, doing small music video shoots, mm-hmm. pretending to uh, to eat pearls as a yes. metaphor for bulimia, Lovely. Uh, self-mutilation for some kicks. But also, the movie begins literally with a, a small screen telling you, this is fictional. Okay, I don't want to see it then. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why? Don't put this poor woman... The fictional character of Princess Diana. Yeah, don't put this poor dead woman through more stuff by just making up some shit and presenting on screen. And I think the problem is, is I think a lot of people saw Pablo Lorraine's Jackie, which was written by a journalist and feels very introspective and and feels very much like you're, you're digging into, you know, Natalie Portman playing jackie kennedy and how she feels right after her husband was killed and and it's manic and it's sad and it's dazzling and and i think this movie wants to bring all of that to princess diana but unfortunately it was written by a screenwriter whose track record is maybe two-thirds bad look him up guys i don't want (laughs) i don't want to name names but and it this felt like i was I was just like, why am I watching this pantomime? Right. You know? Yeah, I, I I watched, this was the movie that I watched at my friends and we saw Nicole Kidman, but I honestly was bored. I was like, I, the best parts of this were her talking to her kids and those were very small scenes. Um, I thought Sally Hawkins was amazing. Yes, but, like, but I love her. So like, that's the like, thing, you know? Everything, everything else though, I was like, who cares? What are we learning about Princess Diana? Like what right. excavation? Like nothing. Nothing. It's, it gave me yeah. It gave me beautiful gowns. And and like the whole metaphor of Anne Boleyn. Ugh. And then when she's suddenly Anne Boleyn, I was like, if I could jump from this train that I'm watching this on, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, very. Yeah. Enough. Very, but you know what? Beautiful gowns. Beautiful really, gowns. Really beautiful gowns. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. Louis, what is your beautiful gown pick of the year? Um, my beautiful gowns pick of the year, um, we talked about it a little bit already, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But my beautiful gowns pick is Encanto. Um, for as much as the music really didn't get me going and the story was very meh, it is a very gorgeous looking movie. And I did think mostly that, oh, they, maybe they're right, like, think kids have no attention span for anything every song needed to be just a fiesta of color explosion lights spectacle it was the john chewett of all like of it all like it was just (laughs) and 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 that's fine i'm not saying it's bad i'm actually saying it's the best part about it it's you know beautiful gowns um but like there's just nothing that for me sustained anything you know of it like the superpower family that whatever in the story of like the grandma who wants to save their wish by putting pressure on her children. I was like, okay, I honestly, and people have been like talking on Twitter about like, you know, this is a really important conversation to have. La 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 la. And I'm like, yeah, 
sure, I understand that. But also I'm like, we all have parents or family members who are assholes, but we like deal with it and it's fine. Mostly like, I don't, I don't, to me, there was no, not enough meat on the bones. Just so beautiful gowns looked gorgeous. Love that it was set in Colombia. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but again, just beautiful gowns. <laughs> yeah, they can't. They can't all have substance. No. <laughs> Sometimes no. they're just pretty to look at. But that's our beautiful gowns of the year. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. But this year, for the first time, we're giving an award um, in direct opposition to the beautiful gowns. Yes. Um, and we're calling it what the like ugly gowns award. The ugly gowns award. The Ugly Gowns Award. And so this is a movie that was similarly fine, maybe even good, but um, just looked really bad. Like a bad looking film. Worst looking film of the year. Uh, Couldn't serve looks to save her life. Um, My Bad Gowns or Ugly Gowns Award is going to Being the Ricardos. Yeah, a very Uh, disturbing. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Disturbing. Disturbing disturbing is correct. A very deserving pick is what I was going for. But also, yeah. Uh, For for whatever you might feel about Nicole Kidman as uh, Lucille Ball, um, you know, I thought she was fine, if not a little bit terrifying. Um, I thought the story was kind of interesting. Like, I'm not mad at the story, but just like... I cannot believe a movie that is like, hmm, what about shadows as the aesthetic? Like, what <laughs> the fuck? I don't understand for, you know, I think Aaron Sorkin's like, you know, good writer. I love West Wing. I love Sports Night. But like, Jesus, like someone get this man away from the director's chair. Yeah. Because holy shit. I mean, it's is- so funny because the the wrong lesson was learned from the social network, which was that... You know, his words are what make his movies so good, because the thing that Social Network does so well is it pairs a extremely talented visual director in David Fincher with in in con- in contrast to his words. And that's why it works so well. But when you just have Aaron Sorkin at both helms, it's not good. He can't edit himself and by that i mean the script he can't you know stop himself that whole subplot with um poor ethel there thinking that she's like too frumpy and too fat i was like what is this noise this is clutter aaron get it out of here yeah yeah i thought the woman playing ethel was really good oh she was she was she was uh not quite cast right she was like too young she was too young yeah to play but um, yeah, the movie I think is very Vivian fine. Vance. Sorry, I don't want people to think I don't know the name of the actress who played Ethel. It's Vivian Vance. Thank you. <laughs> now Gavin's fine. Um, yeah, the, I, I I think the movie is pretty decent enough. I just I was like, this is the ugliest fucking movie I've ever seen. Yeah. So I I didn't even think it was decent enough. My ugly gowns, and I'm gonna be real brief, is unfortunately funny enough. Uh, you know, the late great Aretha Franklin is the reason that we named Beautiful Gowns the Beautiful Gowns Award. I'm gonna give the Ugly Gowns Award to respect. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Shade. What an, Hard what shade. an ugly looking movie. And mm. I, the thing is, is I didn't love the movie in general. I think there's better stories to tell, I think, uh, of Aretha Franklin. I think, 
she deserves more than that. And I know she was heavily involved in the process of it before she passed away. And I know that's why a lot of Aretha Franklin fans turned against the season of genius. That was about her starring Cynthia Revo as Aretha Franklin. Right. But this was like a, a kind of a nothing burger of a movie. It follows the same exact pattern of all of these music biopics. I thought I literally thought the movie walk hard, the Dewey Cox story stop this i thought that that reason that movie was made was so we wouldn't get music biopics uh-huh. like this anymore but no we do it's the same walk the line uh ray pattern you gotta start with the childhood you gotta infuse the trauma in. she goes through the hard drinking literally a character at one point says like you gotta fix your demons you know it's just like oh my god on top of that and the worst the worst sin of the movie Marlon Wayans plays <sighs> her like abu- her abusive husband slash manager and he's so bad in the movie and I know we've had discussions on the show about is Jennifer Hudson a good actress I mm-hmm. think she's doing the best she can with what she's presented and I think there are scenes that she's very good in there's you know there's Bits with her with Forrest Whitaker, where I think she's really good in. I think actually some of the best scenes in this movie are between her and Titus Burgess. But when she's paired with both Marlon Wayans and Mark Maron, uh, it's it's really bad. Marlon Wayans is doing this voice the entire movie. I'm your husband. You will respect me. You can't treat me like that. I know. I got demons too, Ray. Can you help me fight mine the way I help you fight yours? Please. On top of that, the look, which is what we're really here to talk about, is brown and beige. Your colors are brown (laughs) and beige. (laughs) Brown and beige. And the camera is constantly moving in a way that doesn't feel purposeful. It just feels like free floaty and sort of unfocused and not really sure what it should be on which i know is a stylistic choice but just didn't work for this particular um sort of matter of fact piece of writing and everything was dull and the thing is is you can tell some of those costumes are beautiful you can tell that costume designer worked really hard on those costumes but the way that they're presented are ugly and sadly i wish it was better but it's it's an ugly film it's ugly gowns yeah and so now we can move on um, I think it's time for our picks. I think what we said we're going to do is we'll do our um, worst movie of the year. Yes. And then and then we'll do our top three of the year. So right. let's get into our picks. So starting with our one star review, I'm going to go first because I know this is a movie that you did not even see. Okay. But I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. It's a little film that I'm not even really sure why I watched called Infinite. <laughs> Infinite. Yes. Infinite is an Antoine Fuqua directed Marky Mark star uh. um, about, <laughs> about immortals who die and then get reincarnated with all of their previous knowledge. And Marky Mark is going up against Chiwetel Ejiofor, who is the villain in this film, uh, who wants to destroy humanity so he can finally die and not get reincarnated. Which, I mean, honestly, the way the world is right now... Same. Yeah, fine. 
Mark Wahlberg plays this character who is the newest reincarnation of Dylan O'Brien, who is killed at the beginning of the movie. And Aww. he carries his memory. But, you know, because the movie needs to have plot, you need to, like, jolt those memories into him. And he can't he can't remember. And he's not sure why he knows all these things. And it's so bad. And I will. It's an it's an ugly movie. I would gladly say this could also go for an ugly gowns. Uh, it was a movie that was dumped. It was one of the first movies that Paramount Plus just dumped to Paramount Plus instead of releasing to a theater. I think that was a smart choice. I think this movie would have made zero dollars. And if it did <laughs> not make zero dollars, it would have made twenty dollars because Mark Wahlberg <laughs> would have seen it himself. Yeah. But it's it's just nonsense. It's bad. The script is full of like badly sounding mumbo jumbo a lot of heavy handed lines of characters talking about the reincarnation and the the worst thing i will say and this is not a knock because i love jason mansukas but jason mansukas co-hosts a podcast i dearly love called how did this get made how did this get made jason (laughs) and every time that one of them is in a movie like this i'm like Oh, you should talk, uh-huh. <laughs> you should... honey. So, yeah, uh, but he does wear a lot of eyeliner in this movie. So good on him. Good, good on him for fun. His... We gotta go. We gotta go. Wait, are you crazy? They're about to breach. We're not running. All right, I'm tired of running. I'm gonna fight him right now. But yeah, that is definitely my one star review of the year. It is joyless. It is soulless. If you have Paramount Plus, watch anything else. There's so much Star Trek on it. There's <laughs> the last season of Drag Race, Queen of the Universe. Watch, watch whatever. Just anything. Evil's a really great show that's on Paramount Plus. Watch that. There you go. Um, so I, you know, there are probably worse movies that were made this year. Um, we could talk about Space Jam. Um, you know, there, there are some contenders, um, but I think I just have to say it, get it, don't, my one star movie of the year, the total crash and burn, like fucking disaster for me is House of Gucci. Is it really? Yeah. Another movie that just put it on a fucking streamer, guys, put it on a fucking streamer. I want to see it. House of Gucci, also a very ugly movie that is allegedly about fucking Gucci, which is beautiful gowns. Uh, I think the movie is ugly. I think I am I am a little monster stan. I love Lady Gaga. Someone needs to tell her no. Someone needs to tell her no. Um, this it, the entire movie is psychotic. It's it's. 10,000 hours long, um, looks like shit. Everyone's doing a different accent. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, the most interesting part of the movie to me is that they hire Tom Ford and Tom Ford is the one who turns the brand around. I was like, oh, I want to see that movie. That, <laughs> that sounds interesting. This movie wants to be like business drama, romance, but like, it, I don't think any of these fucking Gucci's knew business in the first place. Like, I, 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 yes, it is scandalous that Patrizia killed her husband or hired someone to kill him. But this movie plays really fast and loose with what actually did happen. This woman actually sounds a lot more interesting than what Lady Gaga did for her. Um, it just uh, up and down, left and right. Like, uh, I think the one sh- 
bright spot is Al Pacino's pretty good in it. Um, but like fucking Jared Leto is psychotic. It's just, no, that's, it's my, that is my one star review. I'm sorry to say it, but like a gif of um, Lady Gaga getting fucked by Adam Driver does not a movie make. Don't be such a cretin. Don't call me a cretin, sweetie. That's not what I said. I asked you not to be one. This is serious. And you're laughing it off. Oh, boy. You know what? All you've done is made me want to see it more. <laughs> I mean, get get drunk, get stoned, get high, whatever. Put it on. Laugh your little ass off to it because it it's, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. And it's stunning <laughs> that Ridley Scott is like, guys, you don't want to get it. You don't get me. We're artists and you're idiots. It's like, okay, well. <laughs> Are you? Sure. Sure, Jan. Uh, was there anything else you saw this year that you didn't particularly love? I have a I have a couple more, but I don't want to, you know, once again, I do want to say this. We we don't do this show to shit on anybody. We, we really don't. And, you know, we're highly opinionated. That's all. And so we're going to tell you the things that we didn't like. And and that's fine. But like we're, you know, as you said, there's plenty of others. I in my bottom five alone, uh, aforementioned Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Space Jam, as you mentioned, Halloween Kills. I know we had our guest Craig for our Werewolves on Film episode who talked about the political allegory. Yeah, the political allegory is there. They didn't do anything with it. They just said it. And, and, <laughs> and like, just, hello, yeah. don't you guys get it? I've don't said something. It? Yeah, like, it's like that SNL sketch of the girl you don't want to talk to at a party. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah we, we got it. Thank <laughs> cool. you. But was it, like I said, was there anything else that you saw? I mean, like, so I say this every year. I don't go out looking for bad movies. You know, like, I'm not. They find us. (laughs) They find us. And I'm not. And so the caveat of, like, I don't think these next couple movies are bad per se. But, like, they were just not for me. I didn't get them. Had no really effect on me. Like, I thought Spencer. I was like, well, that was two hours. I could have done something else. (laughs) Um, Not for me. Um, I feel very bad saying this, but also, like, I just cannot help the way I feel. Um, I saw The Lost Daughter two days ago, and I thought, what? Literally I'm, what? I'm fucking with you. And the the fact that it keeps getting positive reviews, I was like, I don't want to watch a movie where I can't stand a single character. Yeah. And trust me, <laughs> as I've said many times at the show before, you can be a shitty character and lead a movie like that doesn't you don't have to be a good person to be the lead of a movie but you have to be interesting in some way i hated all of them yeah yeah i i i watched it with derek and i said babe like why is everyone acting like such a psycho in this movie yeah no one is just being a normal human being and talking like regular normal humans do i will say derek it literally sounds like me watching it with dan the other morning dan literally an hour in turned to me and was like I'm so sorry. This is my fault because he picked the movie. I mean, I picked the movie thinking that, you know, Olivia, I think Olivia Coleman's like decent enough in it. Like, I yeah, she's think. a good actor. I yeah. think I, I love Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley does yes. a good job. Do yes. I want to watch her do this again? No, fuck no. No, I, Derek, I will say, loved the movie. He was like, oh, incredible allegory, He's motherhood. Yeah, um, the uh, I will I will say this. I read a lot about the short story. I unfortunately have not read the novella it's based on, but it sounds like a bad adaptation. It sounds like just a really bad adaptation. And like I I think 
directorial wise, the look of it, I think it looked great. I think yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal has got an eye on her. I just hope she lets somebody else write her next thing. Yeah, same. I Not for me. All right. We've had enough negativity in our life. Mm-hmm. Why don't we move into our five-star reviews and find out what are our favorite films of 2021? This was the year where I realized, I was like, you know what? There are a lot of pretentious movies out there that are good and that I like, but there, this year was like, I think a great year for unpretentious mainstream movies that actually were like really enjoyable, really fun, and really got me jazzed just about like movies in general. So this is my unpretentious uh, top three pick of movies that like you can see with like normal human beings at the theater and don't have to fucking like literally go to a film festival to watch because there's you can't see them anywhere. Um, so my number three pick is uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. If you haven't seen it, it came out like at the beginning of the year. Um, it was like gonna go to theaters and then it wasn't. And then it was like on Hulu randomly. Like it, it kind of bopped around a lot of different places. Um, I saw it at home and I just was vibrating after yeah. the movie. Like it, it, another person who kind of had a great year was, uh, is it Jamie Dornan? Yes. Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan, who is in Belfast, everyone's saying he's going to get nominated for an Oscar. But I'm like, him and Barb and Star fucking rocked my world. I was like, how can you be a great dancer, entertainer, and excruciatingly hot at the same time? It is so upsetting. It it truly is. I I will say also, well, first of all, his song is the most amazing thing. I mean, when he's climbing the tree, like a cat who's climbing a palm tree. I, I... I think the other great thing about that movie specifically is it it came it came out at the right time. It like was like a bomb that we needed. Yes. You yes. know, it was it came out in a really terrible time, you know, just like still stuck in their homes and yeah. and just needed a good laugh. And that movie is so that's another one where like I don't have a lot of time to rewatch stuff because of this show and working a job and I've watched that movie like three or four times this year. What is the song? Like, as soon as the song, the, the, the movie opens, it's that little kid on the bike who's lip syncing for his fucking life. <laughs> and I am just like, oh shit, this movie is about to go so much harder than it needs to. And it's just so, so good. The Reba of it all. Like, it's. Honestly, the first time I watched it, I was like. Wow, Vera Farmiga is so good. And then I was stupid. like, "Bad." I was like, "No, that's Kristen Wiig." Oh God, that's You're Kristen Wiig. So <laughs> stupid, Vera Farmiga. I I just love this movie. I think it is a treat for every single human being. It, it it's it's like you said, it's just so funny. And, I mean, also on like a personal level, I was like, "Yeah, I want to go with my good Judy to like a cute place," but then like I also get the vibe of like. Oh, I don't have money to go to that really cute place. But like, let's make the best out of it here. I want to have the stupid drink. I want to be singing and dancing to like Celine Dion while I'm like really fucked up and like. And having a threesome. Oh, wait. Yes. (laughs) And no, yes. I want the threesome with the hot guy that's like way out of my league. But you know what? Guess what? He's fucking not because he's an idiot and it's (laughs) okay. God, I love that movie. You've been pleasuring me a lot lately. In that last position, your dung went really deep. I think your dong went all the way up and touched my heart. 
my number three pick is, as we mentioned before, it's something that's making a lot of top ten lists, and that's the power of the dog. You know, uh, yes, that dog. It is so powerful. She's got <laughs> some power in that dog. Um, this is Jane Campion's big return to the big screen after you know spending a couple years doing TV, Top of the Lake. Power of the Dogs, uh, an adaptation. You can watch it right now on Netflix. It's a uh, about two brothers who are actually um, like northern educated type who have become ranchers. There's maybe some trauma in their past. Phil Burbank, who's played by Benedict Cumberbatch, has now given himself over to this dirty rancher life doing this really exaggerated accent which was the only way i could get through i was like benedict cumberbatch cannot do like but then when i was like oh he's a northerner pretending okay right um jesse plemons plays his brother george burbank uh he gets married to rose gordon played by kirsten dunce who has the son cody smith mcphee's character peter gordon who is a feat and feminine and uh, a wisp with, of a boy. Yeah, a wisp of a boy who is, he's also very learned, you know, he, he wants to become a doctor, and he's maybe has some psychotic tendencies. He likes to make flowers out of yes. paper, and he's, he's he likes just to a... dissect rabbits. <laughs> yes, because he's learning, mother. <laughs> yes. I have to learn. <laughs> my, my friend Sarah, who is a veterinarian, was like, Wow, that's really impressive. No one noticed that because it is really smelly when you dissect a rabbit. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think this movie is full of gorgeous vistas, a lot of underlying like homoeroticism, but also Very. Un- underlying danger, suspense. Yes. Uh, yes. Kirsten Dunst is impeccable and listen let me tell you her role as written not my favorite role i don't Mm -hmm. like a movie that the only thing that they give a woman to do is to descend into alcoholism but let me tell you her gold motif and i don't know if you notice that once she gets married like everything she's wearing is gold it's one of Mm. those because it's a color i can see and i was like (laughs) i was like oh the gold like everything that she's wearing it like she steals every scene that she's in after that she's so so good. Sorry, I, I really can't. I really can't dance. <laughs> You're dancing. Here, this before. What is it, George? I just I want to say how nice it is not to be alone. You go into a movie like The Power of the Dog, literally, I, I had no idea what the fuck this movie's about. Like, what? how could you? Like, you know? But then it's just like surprise after surprise. I think it's going to be like the Benedict Cumberbatch show where he's like trying to win his Oscar. But it really kind of isn't. And it's not yeah. because, it's not for lack of trying. It's just so much more about um, this kooky little family. And like, you know, there's just, Jane Campion is so good at like not hitting you over the head with stuff, but it's there, bitch. And yeah. if if and and I was like, wow, this is a lot of like butts and like naked guys showering in the river. I was like, homerot. And then I was like, but that's that's the point. But it's also not the point. It's pointing right. you in the direction of like, yes, 
imagine men on the Western, like, <laughs> front, like, you know, and I, uh, what's his name, Bronco Henry, like, yeah. just, I fucking, it's all so, so good. I was really surprised that that became the meme of the movie, but yeah, I really love Power of the Dog, um, highly recommend it, and once again, it's on Netflix, you know, so it's just. If you want gay drama, <laughs> Power you're going to get some. Uh, and also Jesse Plemons, just the cutest little cutie pie, whoever. Cutest cutie little pie. cutie pie. Um, Cody Smith McPhee, very good. Yeah. I was like, I cannot whistle and play with a fucking comb and look that fucking crazy, but good for I you, mean, Cody. I mean, I can. I just oh. don't. <laughs> I'm just not popular. Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> you don't choose violence. Yeah. Um, okay, excellent choice. Um, my number two pick is... Um, the movie that Hasaguchi wishes it was, um, the other Italian uh, movie of the year that actually uh, was incredible, and that is Disney Pixar's Luca. Um, I, let me tell you, Gavin, I cried and cried and cried. Really? I could not believe, like, I mean, obviously I, I liked have a, it. So that was not a really, like, oh no, like, but. I just couldn't believe how aggressively queer coded it was it is not subtle at all um if you don't know luca is about these two boys who are actually sea monsters um when they come out of the ocean though they become they look like boys but whenever they get wet you can see their scales you can see you know they have tails and gills and all that um and it's kind of just like this really amazing um, subversive take on Little Mermaid, where it's like, yeah, I want to be part of the world, but I have to hide myself. Um, and just so happens they want to go to a place um, to ride Vespas around and just be cute little boys together eating spaghetti and like being friends. Um, the town they want to go to, though, unfortunately does hate sea monsters and would love to kill them. Um, and, and, you know, they actively are like looking for sea monsters all the fucking time. Um, and it's just like the, it's just so good. I mean, like, I, I, and I will say as a gay person watching this movie, it hit me, I'm sure in a different way than like it would a straight person. Um, but there's literally a scene where like, you know, spoiler alert, they get discovered as sea monsters and like it. They're, it looks like they're going to be lynched. Like, it, you know, yeah. I couldn't believe... And you, oh, there's a great scene where, like, these old grandmas take their umbrella out, and it turns out they're also sea monsters, and they've been hiding their entire lives in this village. And I was just like, oh, my God. It, it got me. And um, I just, you know, that is a movie that I thought we would not see for, you know, for a long time. And um, it also just looks beautiful. It's a really incredibly good-looking movie. Um, But yeah, I love that movie. What's that? Oh, it's just the greatest thing that humans ever made. The Vespa. Whoa. You just sit on it, and it takes you anywhere you want to go. In the whole stinking world. Vespa is freedom. I will say the um, the queer coding is obviously there, and and as a queer person, like it's it's so plain to see. And like you said, uh, you know, I'm sure straight people had a, a very different relationship with that aspect. The one disappointment I have is not in the movie, is in film critics. Is I didn't see a lot of film critics talk about that. It's also obviously a metaphor 
for immigration as well, mm-hmm. too, especially yeah. in a time in which we are turning a lot of people away and teaching people that their differences make them weak and, and are not, it, it, which is the exact opposite of the way people should be. And the idea of these foreigners coming in from the sea and like, right. I was like, wow, like there's also, there, there's more than one really powerful metaphor working here in a children's movie. Yes. And, and I, and I, hopefully both of those things hit the audience as, as powerful as they can. But you're right. Like, obviously, once again, and I'm not denigrating anybody for, for catching on to the queer theme that's you know it's there for us that's you know it's there for us to see but i do want more people to also acknowledge that that there is a really strong uh pro-immigration message in that movie that i also didn't think that we would get out of a kid's movie yeah that's that's a very good point though gavin so thank you for bringing that up because yeah it's it and it's not like you know it's obvious but it doesn't it doesn't feel pandering it doesn't feel like preaching at all it's just the innocence of two boys who are best friends, love each other very much, um, and have dreams. But what if it be quiet, Bruno? Like, you know, I just, oh, it's so, ah, I'm getting misty even thinking about it. Um, but that's Luca. You can watch it now on um, Disney+. Plus. My second pick is, and I'm going in a very different direction than you, is uh, Quo Vadis Ada which is mm. a, a film about the Bosnian War. It's about a woman who is a UN translator who is attempting to save her family during a time in which her town was invaded. The city of uh, Sembrencia, uh, which eventually ended in a massacre. And, you know, she's working for the UN to try and translate for people about where to send the refugees and everything. And during this time period, the UN is caving because they don't have any support. And so they're not able to save these people. And this woman is trying to make a deal for her husband and her two adult sons. And she keeps getting separated from them. And it's this really, really heartbreaking tale about the inhumanities in which we treat each other, the way that we create these artificial differences amongst ourselves to separate ourselves from other people, a lot of it having to do with power and the horrors we put each other through in the name of our own nationalism and power. And it's it's an a heartbreaking film, so beautifully acted, so wonderfully scripted. Um, and you know, the the woman who plays Ada, um, and I'm gonna fuck this up because there's so many accents in this name, um, <laughs> but Jessna Durasik who plays Ada is, I mean, she plays everything in her face and it's heartbreaking to watch. And it's, you know, hard to watch her continually beg for her husband's life, beg for her children's life. And yeah. And, and you want to be like, you want to scream at everybody, like do more, do more, like do something. And you're just watching, you know, it all fall apart um, for so many people, but through the lens of, one woman where um is this movie a foreign release film it was the the bosnian submission for the academy awards last year it actually did get nominated and it lost to another round the tom spintberg film but it is a u.s 2021 release Mm. so that's you know that's why it falls into but 
it's such a, a lovely, heartbreaking movie. It's it's on Hulu. So great. Um, okay, my tippy top uh, movie of the year uh, is uh, West Side Story. Um, it's just I love West Side Story. Do you like West Side Story? I love West Side Story, Gavin. Um, no, yeah, I've played the music before. Um, I, I've seen, you know, the original movie a bajillion times. And so I came into this uh, movie excited, but also like, how does one make, remake an already iconic piece of art? And by golly, Steven Spielberg did it. It is maybe one of the most gorgeous movies I've seen of the year. Um, somehow being able to take uh, what is already iconic and honoring the story, making it very different. I think it's very different. Um, and, and, and also, but it's looking just as good. Um, I said earlier up top that I think this movie is a lot more humanizing um, to these people. Uh, you know, the original is so much about style and so much about precision. Everything is very sharp. Taking these two groups of people, these gangs, and putting them on the street level where there's actually other humans around them. You know, they're not, they don't exist in a vacuum. Doing America down in the street, surrounded by onlookers, as opposed to at night, uh, secluded on a rooftop. I, I think that's important. Um, I I think all the, the expansions of the characters, we get to know a little bit more about Tony. We get to know a little bit more about Maria, Anita. Like, everyone gets a little bit more um, explanation. Everyone gets a little bit more humanity. And I... It, I, I've seen it twice, and both times there's a moment where um, we all know Riff dies, um, or Riff and Bernardo dies. Uh, there's a moment when Bernardo dies that just, like, gets me every single time another um, shark, like, says goodbye to him in, in Spanish, and it just, like, hits me like a fucking truck. Um, it's a gorgeous film. It's It doesn't feel long. Um, Rita Moreno is back as Valentina, who has now replaced Doc. She's Doc's widow. She's just incredible. Um, every, everything about this movie, you know, it, there's this added layer of, you know, everything that went wrong with the revival <laughs> on, on Broadway. And we both saw the revival, and it was trash. Trash. Uh, um, but this, like, the, the movie visually is, you know, the world is changing around them, literally. And not le- because... Oh, there are Puerto Ricans in town now, but literally neighborhoods are being destroyed and rebuilt without them in it. Um, and, and you see that, you know, and it's these, there are these teenagers who ha- have nowhere to go, no, nothing to do. And the world around them is changing. Uh, and it's just a sight to behold. I, I love this movie and I really hope that, you know, with time, um, it becomes just as beloved as the original. It's it's a stunner. I'm excited to see it too because I am not the world's biggest Spielberg fan, and I want to see a Spielberg movie like a current Spielberg movie blow me away. Like I want, and maybe that's me putting too much pressure on it. But I love hearing you talk about it. I'll be honest. I, I mean, like there's forty percent of the movie in Spanish, and there's no subtitles, but you get it. Like you get it. There, it feels like a lot of there's a great scene where Tony is asking Valentina to 
teach him Spanish so he can say like phrases to Maria. What's forever? Like, I want to be with you forever. You don't want to start maybe with, I'd like to take you out to coffee? No, this ain't casual like that. Oh. I want to be with you forever. Quiero estar contigo para siempre. Because he wants to like communicate with her and say, I want to be with you forever. Um, it, they move some songs around, but like it's just so good. Also, famously, they cast actual teenagers and young adults. And so when they're fighting over guns and like, you know, playing, shooting at each other, it's shocking. These are kids. Um, yeah. I can't wait for you to see it and uh, hear what you have to say. Um, this one was a hard one for me because I think it was, you know, I, as I've said, I, I, I haven't really been negative on much the last couple of years. I think 2020 was a great year for movies, even though, you know, the horrible situation about not being able to go to the theaters. I think this year was also a really fantastic movie, a fantastic year for movies. But I also had... I had a hard time like connecting into things and deciding like normally I do put together a video and everything. And I haven't even done that yet this year. And I'm debating whether I'm going to do it. If that even brings me joy anymore. That being said, it, it would be my 10th anniversary. So maybe I should just do it. <laughs> but that being said, I think my number one movie of the year, and I'm going to say it now. So it's cemented. I think it's Paul Schrader's the card counter. Um, not an easy film. If you were to tell me 10 years ago, I would that Paul Schrader would be having this late in life um, renaissance. I'd be like, fuck, no, that guy's going to drink himself to death. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, his last two films, First Reformed and Card Counter, have been these really deep dissection of what it's like to be an American nowadays. They've been incredibly angry films, but I think yep. angry in the right direction. The card counter is about Oscar Isaac. He's a former military man who did an eight year stint as a prison guard in like a Guantanamo Bay type scenario. Um, he was trained by Willem Dafoe in what we would call enhanced interrogation techniques, but as Ugh. as we know, is torture. And post that, he now lives a very solitary life where he goes to hotel rooms, he covers everything in sheets, like ties them up, you know, in a ritualistic way. And then he goes to, uh, he goes around to casinos and counts cards for a living. And during this process, he runs into Tiffany Haddish, who is a card shark herself. Her name is Lalinda. She's so good in this movie. And let me tell you, she has the hardest role in this movie because Oscar Isaac has clearly been instructed to give her nothing. Mm. He's so good in it. I mean, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be, but he it's literally like, go on, girl, give us nothing. Yeah, because, yeah. And she is just bouncing off that brick wall and doing it flawlessly. You should read some books. I'm gonna buy you one. I've read books. What is it with her? Name one. One what? Book. Called oh, Poker for Dummies. I believe you may have read it. <laughs> How much cards do you play? 40 hands an hour, eight to 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week. Do you do anything else? Like what? Like anything, 
Go to a park, a concert, a museum. A museum? Yeah, I'll buy you a book on it. It's called Museums, Museums for, for Dummies. Dummies. <laughs> no, but seriously, you should do something else. Just for writing. On top of that, he meets a, a young boy named Cirque, played by Ty Sheridan, who knows who Oscar Isaac Oscar Isaac's name is William Tell, by the way, and knows who Oscar Isaac is and is basically like, I want to use you to kill Willem Dafoe because because my father was also at that prison with you and Willem Dafoe is responsible for his death. He was he was another military soldier at that prison and it's dark. It spirals out from there. It is both a very tense film but it's also an incredibly romantic movie. You watch Tiffany Haddish break through that that surface that is William Tell that you know to get to that meaty portion of his heart and it's beautiful to watch and it's so it's funny to say that it is maybe my favorite love story of the year even though it's in this very mad movie. This mm. movie. And I love the fact that Paul Schrader is still mad about this. He should still be mad about this. I saw First Reform and really liked it. Um and so I I have no doubt that I'll, I'll love First um The Card Counter. Yeah, it's it's really good. And I, I mean obviously go into it with an open mind but like especially when Tiffany Haddish shows up, she's just such a breath of fresh in this movie. Um, love that love her and and such a good performance and i know she's not gonna get in the the mix for best (laughs) actress i feel like everybody rooted for her for girls trip and then was like cool we're done with that (laughs) right uh but she should be in the mix because i think she gives a a career defining performance in this maybe not as showy as girls trip but right what are you gonna do <laughs> but like I said, wonderful year for movies, and and don't take my negativity as as any reflection towards, um, you know the the film the year in films that was because there were so many great films. So yeah, uh, why don't we smeagle on over to the fast forward? Like you said, Gavin, so many good movies that we didn't even like you know touch on. I saw Coda. I saw Mass. Um, both movies that I really liked, very different, obviously. Uh, you know, I thought it was like a really good year for highbrow stuff, really good year for lowbrow stuff. I mean, I think our our picks for our, <laughs> is, is a really good example, and and that's not to like say that I didn't like you know this other stuff, um, and and vice versa. Like you know, there is just so much good stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, like my God, I the I know Coda is easily attainable via Apple plus, but like just the idea that I have to go to Apple plus to watch the thing. And then like, you know, there are all these streaming services. Um, and, but, but we're, I think we're also very lucky to be able to be, cause I will say, I said, who the fuck saw Belfast? Where right. did they see Belfast? Like, I don't fucking get it. This is a clear example of universal being like, we're going to put it out for the critics. And then once it wins all its Oscars, we'll actually release it to the masses. Yeah. And and it's like, how is that then the best movie of the year? Like, I don't <laughs> under fucking stand. Um, but yeah, I, all that to say that I think the, the, the world is our oyster. The, the film world is our oyster. Um, there's Absolutely. so much. And, and we live in uncertain times. And like, <laughs> it's not to not to go on anything, but today... 
Morbius, the Jared Leto uh, vehicle based off the Spider-Man character, was pushed back again for a seventh time, was now pushed back to April because of, you know, Omicron Omicron and COVID variants. And so, like, we may be headed for another time in which movies are, you know, going this hybrid release. Supposedly, HBO is not doing it again this year. Right. I think it was, as for as many filmmakers complained, I think it was a big success for the most part my mom was very upset that king richard was only on for a month and she didn't get a chance to watch it you know me too so i was looking for king richard and i was like oh it's already gone okay so like yeah like i think that model really worked and i i maybe it's not you know the best thing going in but it's something to consider because i i think you know i love once again love the theater but like This access, and I think it also democratizes things a bit too. So yeah, I mean, it's not like it's the reverse of what you're talking about for Belfast, where people can see it and decide for themselves, and that people watch it and are like, "Is this the best movie of the year?" Yeah. Right. I mean, like I went to go see House of Gucci with like eight gays, and we all collectively laughed and groaned our way through it, and we're able to like kiki about it afterwards and like that was the fun part of it you know that that experience that community experience of going to the theater i think will always exist the way i grabbed my sister at the reveal of uh uh the spider-man in spider-man like (laughs) you know that you can't like really replicate at home and that's fine you know like we're always going to have that we should always have that but i do also think like for people who don't want to do that yeah the families are happy to pay the extra $30 to see Raya and the dragon, whatever. Right. Like, and that should be an option. You know, like it, it, it makes sense. We have the technology. I mean, literally Encanto was in theaters, what, two months ago. And they said, okay, put it on Disney plus. We don't care. Like, yes, that makes sense. Put it on for Christmas day. We want something to watch. Like it just seems very silly. Ahem, Sony to think that like by pushing fucking Morbius into April, they'll you'll have another Venom size on your hands. Like, yeah. who cares, girlies? Make some more <laughs> movies. Like, get it out there. I want to meme Jared Leto. <laughs> I actually don't. Yeah, I was gonna say nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> but I think it's gonna be another interesting year going forward. I think there's gonna be more hybrid. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot more talk about you know, low box office return and everybody's yep. going to act fucking surprised as though like the pandemic magically ended. But also like, it's like, as if it fucking matters, like, you know, Oh, is Disney like hurting for money? Right. Oh, is universal hurting for money? Like, no, make the goddamn West side story, make whatever it is, just make it do the thing. Like we're going to West side story Two, return to the sea. West side story three. Evil yes. never dies. Yes. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we want. That's what we need. Hello. Um, but you know, I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, I think, Variety is the spice of life. It absolutely is. And, and the spice of the theater. And and that was another thing that we sort of talked about in last year's. But I, th- I think, you know, I think these things that are successful, you know, and you described it yourself perfectly when you're talking about West Side Story, is making the stories more specific and sometimes less universal makes them more entertaining, makes them more interesting, engages your audience more, you know, and... That's, you know, the beauty also of, as you mentioned, Luca, that that it is 
it it is the story that has queer subtext it has political subtext but they made it in a way that was very specific to the story and and therefore you know it plays better to the masses because nobody you know that's part of the problem that people have with the marvel movies is that they're so universal and they they're made for everyone and it's like okay but without specificity they mean nothing yeah i mean i mean and that's like something you know that lucas shares with power of the dog even because power of the dog is very specific about you know this blended ranch family and you know turn of the century wyoming and 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 the experience of living there and trying their best to make it through and gay drama. Okay. Like it's just, <laughs> Oh God, those gays always causing drama. I know. Look at the gays have done to me, <laughs> but yeah, but I am looking forward as always to the next year full of movies. And I I'm curious to see where everything's going to go, but it is more than any other year. It is up in the air, baby. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't look up hun because <laughs> that movie was bad um but yeah i i listen we're gonna see some more marvel movies i'm sure um the oh <gasps> we have a new michelle yo vehicle to look forward to we do um, everything's about a multiverse now it, i mean thank and and you know what that's what 2022 is going to be all about. Yeah, honestly, if there's a multiverse out there with infinite Michelle Yeohs, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good with that. Please, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our year in review, don't you think, Kevin? Absolutely. It's going to be so bonkers going forward. But I, It's going to be weird. But I can't wait to do it. And I can't wait to do it with you! Yeah, and, I, we, and we can't wait to do it with you listeners. We're, we have some guests already lined up for the year. Um, if, uh, as always, if you have any suggestions for an episode to do, send it our way. If you or a friend, you know, who's really smart or even really dumb wants to come on the show, reach out to us, pitch us what you think should be a show. Um, we are all ears all the time. Absolutely. And as you know, there's a billion ways to contact us. So why don't we move into that? If you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're also on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to send us a little letter or a love note, you can write us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram. Just type in the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us the way you have been this entire episode, subscribe to us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Audible. Did I say Audible? Audible. Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Audible, and now Spotify, Uh-oh. You, you can go and leave us a five-star rating. That's right. I said five stars and write us a little review. I don't think you can actually write a review on Spotify, but you can give us a little five-star bump. We'd love that. But if you write us a review, we'll read it on the show. We also have merch if you want to, if you're feeling so inclined. We're over at Redbubble. Just type in the mixed reviews. We have shirts and stickers and all sorts of fun little kooky things. Thank you all for listening, for having uh, like another great year with us. Yes, every year that we do the show, it gets better and better and more people listen. And we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. We love you. And I don't use the L word lightly. And by the L word, I mean lesbian. 
We're in Lesbians with you all. Uh, happy New Year, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is alright in America. If you're all white in America.